final week of our series, uh, Set Free in the Book of Galatians. You can grab a Bible now with me. Uh, go to Galatians chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you. Uh, we've given you Galatians journals throughout this series. So if you have that, grab that and pull that out. Go to Galatians chapter six. Uh, we're going to do the whole chapter today. It's a short chapter. It's 18 verses, uh, but there's a lot in there. And so you're going to want to take notes and write these things down. Go back to them as we close this book out really, really strong. Uh, we have been talking about this whole idea of freedom. The series is entitled Set Free. We've talked about that if you are in Christ, if you've placed your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are, are free you're, you're free over any bondage from law or, or sin. You're, you're free in God's grace over any law in your, your life. And so right now, if you placed your faith in Jesus right where you're seated, this is amazing. God sees you, but he doesn't see your sin. He sees his sinless son. That, that right now, no matter what you did last night, thought about this morning, didn't do, right now, God loves you. And he will never love you more because of the righteous deed you do later today. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that, that's, what's true. that's why it's freedom in Christ. Because it's this amazing, mind-boggling truth that the God of the universe looks at us, imperfect people, and he loves us, and he accepts us, and he forgives us, and he adopts us into his family. And it's not by our merit, but it's by his, his grace. Amen? We're set free. So, life should be easy then, right? Right? I mean, life should just be, we're free in Christ. His grace is overflowing in and through our lives. Life should be easy. And even by your chuckle, you know, that's not true. Right? We look at reality and we just see, like, if you're breathing, you know struggling. Right? You, somebody around you right now is struggling if you're not. So we know life, life is hard. And here's what I love about the Bible. It doesn't hide from that reality. It teaches us how to navigate through that reality, okay? So that's what we're gonna look at today. Our sermon title, if you take notes, is Freedom in a Fallen World. How do we navigate this freedom that we have in Christ, yet we're, we're still in this fallen world where there's sin, sickness, and strife and burdens, what does that look like? So I'm gonna give you three takeaways. We're gonna read the whole passage. It's a lot. Track with me and then write these three things down as we walk through them together. Galatians chapter six, we'll start in verse one. It says this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Some of you need to hear that today. Do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand, Paul says. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen and amen. All right, so we're navigating. What what does freedom look like in a fallen world? Here's our first point. It looks like caring enough to confront. Write that down. Caring enough to confront. And then look at verse one with me. Look at that phrase as it starts out. If anyone is caught in any transgression or sin. Notice the the all-encompassing nature of sin in a fallen world. If anyone is caught in any sin. See, here's what we tend to do as, as people sometimes. We tend to categorize things. We categorize people. We say, hey, some people are above sin. And we don't say that with our words. We kind of think that. Like some pastors or, or politicians or, oh, no, we don't think they're above sin, right? That's, uh, we, um, but we think some people are, right? Like that successful person at your work who seems like he has his whole life together, his family, his kids look great. They go to a nice school. Those students in your college and you think, man, they've got it all together. Just great background, great family. They're just crushing it, got straight A's. Like, like whatever you think, like the philanthropist in your community, you're just like, man, that guy or that celebrity, I mean, they just got it all together. And then what happens? Tom Brady and Giselle get divorced. You're like, I guess they ain't got it all together. I guess nobody's above this. If anyone is caught in any sin, then you should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. See, we're free in Christ. We have this amazing, like, grace-filled acceptance, approval, security for eternity. And yet we still live in a fallen world. You still have a flesh. You and I still sin. And so Paul is going to say, here's how you live as free people in a fallen world. You care enough about other people to confront them in their sin. Now, no, that's everybody's favorite topic, right? So let's talk about what does this actually look like? Let's look at the scripture together. Uh, Look at verse one. Let's look at it closely together. Follow along with me because I think this is important. Verse one, it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should rebuke and exile them. Is that what it says? And what does it say? What's the word? Restore. Oh, okay. 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 Good. We've got the same Bible. Okay. Um, restore them in a spirit of condemnation. Is that what it says? A gentleness. See, here's why I poke fun at that a little bit. Here's the reality typically in church when it comes to somebody being caught in sin. 
Here's what it looks like. One of two options. It looks like, hey, somebody's caught in sin, the lust, the pride, the gossip, the greed, the, the religiosity, the empty religion, whatever the sin is, somebody's caught in sin and we rebuke them, we exile them, we condemn them. And sometimes we get excited about doing that. I don't, weird people, right? We do that or listen, or we do nothing. It's typically how it works. It's typically how I've seen it. I don't know how, how you've seen it. It's typically one of two extremes. And so Paul is saying, no, no, no. You, you confront, you care enough to confront, but you restore them with gentleness. See, Matthew 18, 15 through 17. It's our, our church discipline passage. You should go read that on your own. Here, here's what it says right off the top of like what this looks like. It says you should do this. The goal of doing this, depending on your translation, is to win a brother or sister, is to gain a brother or sister. Paul says, restore is the goal. But you actually have to confront, like some of you are like, preach, pastor, it's all restoration, it's all grace. But you're like, but that means I do nothing. I don't wanna be offensive. I don't wanna judge people. No, 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 you actually have to talk to them. You actually have to bring up the difficult sin. It is awkward, but it's loving. You see, here's the reality about two of those, those two extremes. The rebuke, exile, condemn somebody in their sin, that's unloving and hurtful. Doing nothing because you don't wanna offend somebody that's also unloving and hurtful. I, I think we get this, right? And, and like, we get this in other spheres of life. Like if somebody is physically injured and you walk upon them, like you get that rebuking them is not the way. You get that doing nothing is not the way. You get, there's another option to, if you really care, right? I, I saw this in my life. Just the other day, I went to the gym, uh, primarily for this illustration. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I, I, was, I did my workout, I was in the sauna, I come out and I see little drops of blood. And at first glance, I thought, hey, maybe somebody's got a nosebleed, that happens, right? Uh, but then I see the drops of blood like we're just puddles of blood. And then I, I think, this is why I don't come to the gym. Like people, it hurts, like people bleed. Um, but then I, I, I do see the bigger drops of blood and so I start to, to follow that trail and, I, and it goes to the shower. And I go to the shower and there is a puddle of blood in the shower. It was like a movie. And there's no body. And so I'm like walking around, like what's going on here? And I walk around the corner and there's this man laid out in street clothes and he had passed out from blood. And you can see he has a wound in his leg. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know the circumstances, but there's a, a gym staff member who's sitting there with him, freaked out of his mind. And he's like, hey, can you help me? This guy just passed out. He's, he's bleeding out. And so in that moment, I ran to the front desk. I let the other staff members know. We called 911. And then we started asking people that were coming to get their workout in, hey, do you have a medical background? Like as soon as they walked in the door, we're like, hey, what do you do for a living? It's like, I'm just trying to get a workout in, bro. Uh, but we're like, hey, we gotta help this guy. And the ambulance came and they rolled the gurney in and they got him out and, and, they, and they started to help them. Now just imagine that same scene. But imagine if me and the gym staff member just kind of talked with this guy bleeding out on the floor and just said, hey, you know, we should probably do something. But you know, I could be offensive. I mean, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to, like, I don't know the guy. I mean, I don't, who am I to judge? I mean, maybe that's ketchup. Maybe it's not blood. You would, you would think, like, if you really did that, pastor, like, you're cruel. How'd you become a pastor? Like, that's, that's so unloving. And yet, how many times in the church of Jesus Christ 
somebody's wounded because of sin. Like, scripture's clear, for the wages of sin leads to death. Like James 1 tells us it's, it may be a cycle, it may start with a little bit of a desire, it may give birth to something else, but in the end, it leads to death. If somebody is struggling with any sin, it leads to death. They're bleeding out on the floor in front of you. And for us to walk along and just rebuke them and condemn them or to do absolutely nothing, that's just as unloving as if I were to have done that with that guy on the locker room floor of that gym. So Paul is saying, here's what freedom looks like in a fallen world. When you see your brother or sister in Christ and they're struggling with lust or pride or gossip or religiosity, you actually confront them but you do so to restore them and you do so in gentleness. So what does this look like practically? I wanna give you a couple things. I know for most of us, this is like hypothetical, like you've never seen somebody struggling in sin, but I think for a few of us, this is gonna help you, okay? Um, Here's two things. They both start with an R so you can remember this. Uh, You wanna relate and restore. Relate and restore. Here's the first thing. You wanna relate. As you confront somebody, this is what it looks like to do it in gentleness to restore them. You make sure they know and you know that you are not above them. That's what Paul says. Verse one, keep a watch on yourself lest you too may be tempted. Verse three, don't be deceived thinking you're something when you're actually nothing. As soon as you go to somebody who's clearly struggling in sin in some way, you go to them and here's what you say to them. You say, hey, I love you. And hey, I know this must be hard. Like this temptation in your marriage. I mean, I get that. It must be hard. I, I know that this, like what you're doing with money right now and the way you're just dealing, I, I know it's hard. Like it's easy to be greedy. It's easy just to get yours. Hey, I know like with words and stuff like that, man, it's easy just to be loose with your tongue and just say whatever you think because you're extroverted. Hey, I know this must be hard, but then restore. But hey, man, I love you and this is not gonna go well for you. See, here's this, this word restore is uh, in the original language, it's in the medical context. It's meant to be the idea of like, if you were to go to a doctor and you have cancer, but the doctor's worried about offending you, so he says you had a cold, that'd be malpractice, amen? Right, we don't wanna go to a doctor like that. We want the reality. Here's, here's the deal. Clarity is kindness. And so this is, giving them clarity that they most likely in their sin, they, they don't have it. See, you know, like, again, hypothetically, some of you have sinned before. Okay, I don't know, just bear with me. In your sin, are you seeing reality as it actually is? Or are you seeing a distorted version of reality? You're seeing a distortion because you, you sin because you think it will make you happy. You go after that lust or that greed or that success and that idol of success or even that dead religion because you think it will be good for you. And scripture's gonna say over and over, you are deceived. You have blind spots and they're blind spots for you. You can't see them. So you need the community of Christ to come alongside you and say, I know that must be hard, relate, but also restore like in a medical context to say, hey, but this is, 
this is not a cold, this is cancer. It's going to lead to death. You help them see downstream. If you keep doing this, here's how it's gonna disrupt and destroy your relationships, your family, your job. And I love you enough to tell you that and not 10 other people that, that are never gonna talk to you. And that's what we do in the church is say, hey, can you just pray for this some person over here? Like he's just, he's struggling with this, this really egregious sin. And like, well, have you talked to them in person? Oh no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to offend the guy. Who am I to judge? What? Bleeding out? And you're standing over here just talking about him to other people instead of helping him directly? What are you doing? Now, this, is what, this is what the community of Christ is, is for. Listen, my prayer for Phoenix Bible Church is we would have less scandals that end up in destruction and we would have more awkward conversations that may be awkward, but save marriages. Amen? Save people's lives. Save relationships. Save people from pain because we, we lovingly confront. We speak the truth in love, full of grace and truth, and we restore people in, in gentleness. And so are, are, do you practice this in your life? Do you receive this in your life? Or as soon as somebody comes to talk to you about your sin, you're like, get behind me, Satan. Like, who are you? Like, because this, this is what freedom in Christ in a fallen world should look like. Does it look like that in your life? Uh, here's the second thing. Give priority to what matters for eternity. What does freedom in Christ look like in a fallen world? You give priority to what matters for eternity. As I studied this passage, I saw these words, and you can see them too. Look at the text with me. You see burdens and loads, sowing and reaping. Like burdens and loads, I don't know about you, that just sounds heavy, right? And then you look at sowing and reaping, that, that, that seems hard. Like if you know a farmer like in Queen Creek or Buckeye, like... Uh, that's, farming's hard. Like sowing and reaping, that, that's not easy. As I studied this passage, I just thought, man, living in a fallen world, it's, it's hard, it's heavy. Here's the difference. Like if you are in Christ, you're free in Christ, you can navigate that hardship for his glory, your good and the good of those around you. And that's what Paul is trying to help us do. So he, he talks about these burdens and loads. He talks about this sowing and reaping and how to navigate it for the glory of God. Here's the first thing, burdens and loads. Look at verse two. We see this phrase, bear or carry one another's burdens. Then we see verse five, for each will have to bear his own load. Now, at first glance, let's talk about this. At first glance, that seems to contradict itself, right? You should carry each other's burdens, but you should also carry your own load. What's, what's Paul talking about? Well, as we look at those words in the original language, uh, that word burden, is this word barrows. It's where we get the idea of a wheelbarrow. You, you use a wheelbarrow when you can't carry something yourself and you, you need help. It's really heavy, it's a lot. And so you put it in this wheelbarrow, that's a, a burden. And then you have this other word for load and the Greek word for that is this idea of portion. It's your responsibility before God. You see, here, here's what we, we all know. There's some things you are responsible for that only you can do. So, so for me, later today, really simple uh, illustration. Later today, we're gonna play flag football across the street. It's gonna be fun. Everybody come out for that. And uh, in order to play flag football, like I wear glasses, I'm gonna have to put on contacts. And I don't like to wear contacts because I don't like to put them in my eye and cry uh, involuntarily, right? 
Uh, but here's the reality is something like context. You can't put them in my eye. Like I will blink. I think it's physically impossible, right? Anybody have context? How many tears did you shed trying to learn how to put them in your own eye? Well, why didn't you just go to the eye doctor? Why didn't he do it? Because they can't. You have to do it. I'm gonna have to cry today putting on context before I play flag football. There's some things I have to do in life. Like I can only uniquely love and lead my, my spouse, my wife. You can't do that, stop trying. Yeah, that'd be weird, don't do that. I can do that, I get to do that, right? Me, I, I have to raise my kids. That's my load to carry. I have to one day stand before my creator and know like, am I, am I calling upon my resume? or my faith in Jesus Christ. And that, that's, that's me and God. This is your load. So that's what Paul is saying. Hey, you, you, you carry your own load, but these burdens, these things you have to put in a wheelbarrow, the sin, the sickness, the strife, the worry, all of these burdens that you have in your life, man, you, you have to carry each other's burdens. You can't do that alone. See here, life, life is hard, right? Your job right now, I don't know what's going on, but I imagine it's not easy. It's, a, it's work. By nature, it's not easy. Maybe in your relationships right now, maybe at the very least, there's some awkward tension. Maybe there's some sickness. Maybe there's some strife. Maybe you got online during the election. Anybody with me? Life's, life's hard, right? You're all carrying things as you walk into this room and yet you're free in Christ. So what do you do? You give priority to what matters for eternity. That's the second thing, sowing and reaping. Look at the text with me. Verse eight, there's only two options. You either sow to the flesh and reap corruption or you sow to the spirit and you receive eternal life. Again, we have to be clear about what's Paul talking about, what's he not talking about. It sounds like, oh, you sow to the Spirit and you earn eternal life. You have to read the whole book, right? This entire series, this entire six chapters, Paul has been refuting that idea. He called people fools for buying the garbage of the fact that you can earn your salvation, right? So it can't be that. What's he talking about? He's not talking about earning. He's talking about investing, And again, you get it with the imagery, don't you? You sow and and you reap. What seeds are you scattering in the ground? And what is coming out of those things? Now, again, uh, I'm not a farmer, uh, but I know some gardeners. And uh, one of them's here today. My mother-in-law is here today. Can we give it up for my mother-in-law? She's here in town. And my father-in-law. And I don't know much about sowing and reaping, but but they do very well. And so I did some sermon prep with my in-laws. It was very fun. And I just asked them some questions like, hey, how, how does this all work? And here's, here's three things. Like, here's the reality is you lay seeds in the ground. You got to plan for that, right? You can't just do that in any season. You got to do it in the right season. You can't just do that like uh, on some dirt. Then you got to put some soil. Some of you have raised beds in your backyard. You go all out on this. Like you, got, you have to plan. You have to be intentional. Well, as you sow and reap in the Christian life amidst a fallen world, you have to be intentional to bear someone else's burden, you have to be intentional. To confront someone and their sin, you don't stumble into that. You have to be intentional, you have to plan, like sowing and reaping. You also have to be patient. 
I asked my mother-in-law, she grows okra in their backyard and uh, she's Indian and she cooks it like this okra Indian style, like with some turmeric and cumin. It's, it's fantastic, right? Like it makes you want to eat vegetables, okay? And I was talking to her and I was like, so like, um, so if we plant this okra, like these okra seeds, like um, today at 12, like in my backyard, can we have dinner with that amazing okra today? She's like, no, it takes 60 days at least <laughs> for okra to grow, takes time. We say it over and over at our church, you can't cheat time. Here's the reality about sowing into eternity, sowing in the spirit, doing good to others. This is why Paul says, don't get, give up. Don't grow weary in that. You know why? Because you may not see immediate results, immediate fruit. It may take time. See, many of us were like, well, I'm in a fallen world. My life is busy. Things are hard. Like this other person is in sin. I'm in sin. Like I got some burdens that I'm carrying, Tim. And you're like, man, I just, I don't want to engage. I don't want to, to see this freedom work out in my life in this fallen world this way, because you don't see, like, you're like, I tried that one time and it didn't work. I brought somebody a meal one time when they were sick and they didn't say thank you. I brought up somebody's sin and it was just awkward and they kept on doing it. And you're like, I don't, I don't wanna do that anymore, Tim. And what I would say to you, how long did you try? This is a sowing and a reaping. It takes time. But I love that Paul says, you will reap because God is faithful, because God is up to something. In eternity, there will be a harvest. Don't give up. Don't get weary in loving that other person. Don't get weary in locking arms with one another for the glory of Christ and their good. You will reap. And the third thing is plenty. You'll reap plentiful. I just laid uh, ryegrass seed in my yard. There was uh, dirt and nothing there. I laid the ryegrass seed. We watered that thing, put some new soil in that thing. And I have a plush, like overgrowing evergreen yard now, guys. It's amazing. But I planted these tiny little seeds, little seeds in the ground. But then all this grass coming up like crazy. That's the way it works in the Christian life. That's the way it works with sin. That's the way it works in the spirit, but that's the way it works in the flesh too. Those little thoughts of greed. I just, I'm on Instagram, like I want that vacation. I wish I had that house. I'm just gonna keep a little bit more for myself. There's little things, little seeds that you're planting every single day. You're every, every single day you're sowing something and it reaps plentiful. It shows up in, in big ways financially. Those little, those little seeds of lust, it reaps plentiful. It destroys marriages. It destroys relationships. Kids have two Christmases. It, like little things produce big results in sin and in righteousness. How do you live free in a fallen world? You, you think intentionally, you plan how you're gonna invest. You give priority to what matters for eternity. You're patient knowing God is faithful. I don't give up in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. I'm gonna love my neighbor. I'm gonna come back to church. I'm gonna lock arms with the saints for the glory of God, even when I don't see immediate fruit from it. Listen, the way our church has grown and flourished and is healthy today, Eight years ago, we just laid some little seed. 
God used it. How are you laying, what are you laying seed into? Is it for eternal things or is it temporary things? Is it in the body of Christ? Is it in God and people, the only two things that will last for eternity? Or is it in some other things that won't matter and won't produce the things you are wanting to produce in your life? How do we live as free people in a fallen world? We give priority to what matters for eternity. Where are you sowing and reaping in your life? How are you carrying the burdens of others around you? How are you letting other people carry your burdens? This is what it looks like to live free in a fallen world. Here's the last thing. If we wanna live free in a fallen world, we let go of control and we cling only to Christ. We let go of control and we cling only to Christ. Paul ends this book with an emphatic proclamation of the gospel. You see the emphasis he puts on it in verse 11. He says, see what large letters I'm writing to you. Now, some scholars think, well, Paul must have had bad eyesight. And so he had scribes write the majority of his letters. Maybe that's the case. And, but in this moment, he, he yanks the pen from the scribe and he says, hey, I want to write this part. And he talks about the gospel and he talks about the cross And he talks about clinging only to Christ. And he says, hey, with large letters, I'm writing this to you. This is an emphatic declaration of what we should cling to in the midst of a fallen world. And yet, in the midst of all that, you see this concept of circumcision. (laughs) It's not as romantic of an ending, right? And here's what Paul is doing. He's contrasting circumcision with Christ. He's contrasting, see, circumcision, we don't understand it. It doesn't connect. We skip those verses, right? Here's what circumcision was for the people in Paul's day. It was this way to control status in your life, to control even your eternal standing in your life. That it was something people in this culture could look to this or other ceremonial laws and say, hey, because of this, I am good with God. Because of this, I am one of God's people, that was circumcision in their day. We have a, a load of other things in our day that we do that with, right? Where you live, your church background, the verses that you've memorized, your marriage, like your kids and how good in sports they are, their academics, like your, your bank account. Like we have loads of other things to point to and say, see, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with God. And it's all about this idea of control, Anybody struggle with control? Yeah, and the rest of you struggle with lying, okay? Like you, you look at this fallen world, the sin, the sickness, the strife and in our world and your lives. And man, I don't know about you, I wanna, I wanna control all that. And Paul is saying, hey, I'm writing to you with large letters emphatically to let you know, hey, let go of that control and cling only to Christ. I know this is not hypothetical, I know some of you are struggling right now with sin in your life, sin in somebody else's life. Sickness, maybe it's just little things. Maybe you're just, you are weary. Maybe, maybe some of you, like, man, you're in the midst of like some big burdens, like, and they're just juggling multiple. And you're like at the airport, you're like got two rolling bags. You got your, uh, your other bag carry on. And you're just like, man, that's you spiritually right now. Anybody feel that? And here's what God is calling it. Here's what freedom looks like in that fallenness. You you gotta let go of control and you gotta cling to Christ. 
Because when you do that, listen, it's not about your ability to control in those circumstances or that, that sin or that burden. It's not about your ability to control that. It's about the sovereign king of the universe who is already in control and clinging to him. Which is a better option? The latter, right? That's what you, this is how you have the world and checkmate as a believer in Jesus Christ. That any sin, any sickness, any strife, any burden, any complexity in your life, you can know in that moment if you were in Christ and clinging only to him, that you have a security, you have an identity that will last for eternity. That's what you and I have, amen? This is amazing. This is freedom in Christ. Even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of hardship and heaviness. And Paul says, I want to write with big letters so that you know this, so you anchor in this. And you let go of control. I know it's hard. It's hard in my life. This week, it was hard for me. This week was a really weird week for me. Uh, we had this amazing night of celebration, this culmination of so many months of planning and, and prayer for this union between two churches. It was on Wednesday night. Wednesday morning, uh, I got an, a text message from some good friends of ours in our church who had some just really uh, incredible tragedy surround them that day, that morning on Wednesday. And we grabbed their kids for a little while to help them. We prayed for them. It was rough. It was it was very tragic, very hard situation. Then on uh, uh, third, uh, Tuesday, rather, uh, before that, uh, my kids just had some tough things happen and just some disappointments. Nothing crazy, but just some disappointments that brought a lot of tears and difficulty. And you know, as a parent, man, just, that hurts because I want to fix it, and I, and I couldn't fix it. And then on the way to the night of celebration, and just the fun continued, right? <laughs> Uh, on the way to the celebration, I, I got a call from my parents. They were in the hospital. My dad uh, mentioned before he has cancer in his esophagus and he had had a setback and there was a couple things that needed immediate attention and he needed to be transferred from this hospital to another hospital. And there was a couple bigger picture things about surgeries and, and his cancer spreading. And like, I got that phone call on the way to the night of the celebration. And amidst all those things, I'm like, no, but we're here to celebrate. <laughs> Freedom in Christ, like this body of Christ coming together, this beautiful thing. And I went into that night, like honestly, not knowing which hospital my dad was in and what was gonna be the result of all those things. And I wanted to, with all my power, I wanted to control all of that stuff. I wanted to fix my kids' disappointment. I wanted to help our friends and make it all okay. I wanted to like just tell my dad, like it's gonna be good. And I was just like, I don't know if it's gonna be good. And I went to that night thinking like, and I, and I have to, I have to, I'm kind of like, I'm a, a pastor. And so I have to like give people a vision for the future of our two churches. And I got to muster up something to say, and it's got to be eloquent and passionate and amazing. I wanted to control all that. And I couldn't. And so I had some people around me who carried my burdens. And I had a guy who just walked up to me, his name's Dan, and, and he, just, uh, he just started praying. He didn't even ask me if he could pray, how rude. <laughs> he didn't say, let's pray. He just walked up to me, put his arm, hand on my shoulder and just said, Father in heaven, we just, I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. Um, 
There's a few people who did that. There was a girl in our church who just brought our family a meal that week. And you just saw that this is what freedom in a fallen world looks like. This is what clinging to the body of Christ and clinging to Christ himself, this is what that looks like. I, like I'm your pastor, I experienced that. I need that. And so do you. And that is, you, you can try to control and you can white knuckle it and squeeze tighter and squeeze tighter or the beauty of freedom in Christ is you can let that go and cling to something better. You can cling to Christ, the sovereign king of all the universe who is in control of your dad's cancer, of your friend's tragedy, of your kid's disappointment. That's the beauty of being free in Christ. That's how you can have the world in checkmate. That's how that night still went on. That's how the church of Jesus Christ moves forward. That's how I'm standing before you and still excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of my hardships that, like my dad's still in the hospital today. Like it hasn't changed my circumstances, but Christ is sovereign over all and I'm clinging to him today and I'm clinging to you today. That's our reality. This is what freedom in a fallen world Looks like, walk in that, all caps. This is what's important, anchor in that and in nothing else. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your freedom that you offer us. Uh, God, I thank you for every man and woman in this room, every person watching online that, that is carrying some burdens today, that is struggling with some sin today. God, that maybe is looking upon our world and just, just a little confused and, and just wants to control things. God, I, I know what that feels like. I feel that way too. And I just, I just pray right now in this moment that you would help us let go. Maybe we even open up our hands physically right now and just open them before you as a sign of surrender. God, that we, we, can, we can try to control things, but it's really a vain pursuit. Instead, you have called us. You have invited us. You have allowed us to simply cling to you in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our burdens, that we can lock arms with one another as we cling to Christ. God, help us not miss an opportunity to do that. Help us not just come to church and, and, and it even be an opportunity to try to just control things. And I went to church and we checked that off the list. But help this, help this moment, help this day, help this sermon, help this song just be a moment where we surrender all of our cares, all of our burdens, all of those sins, the ones that nobody else knows about. We just surrender them to you and we cling to you. And we experience your goodness and we experience your freedom and your grace and your faithfulness, even in a fallen a fallen world. God, we can't do that in our own strength. And so may you do it by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen.